if you give it your all and you don't make it, you can say you gave it your all. Because then you, you know at the end of the day, you're like, oh, there's nothing more I could have done. I'm satisfied. You probably remember Gabby Douglas from the 2012 Summer Olympics when she became the first Black woman to ever win the individual all-around gold medal in gymnastics. As a member of the Fierce Five team of U.S. gymnasts, Douglas transformed gymnastics and made Olympic history that year at the age of 16. Now, more than a decade later, Douglas is attempting to compete in a rare third Olympic Games at the age of 27. If she succeeds, she'd be one of very few elite gymnasts who qualify for the Olympics in their late 20s. And she's currently in training to do just that. Since breaking Olympic records in her teens, Douglas has had a lot of time to think about all the intense pressure that comes along with athletic accomplishments. In our conversation, she opened up about dedicating her childhood to gymnastics, what it felt like to win a gold medal, and what happens to a champion gymnast after the spotlight fades. I'm Charlotte Alter, senior correspondent for Time, and this is Person of the Week. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad to get to talk with you. No, thank you. Should be fun. Okay. So we're going to jump right in. Yeah. You started gymnastics when you were six or seven years old, and then you started training professionally a few years later. What was your day-to-day life like when you were a kid? And how did you balance being a kid with being an athlete? I mean, honestly, it was very normal when I first started gymnastics It was not that many times a week. So I still had Mm. other days and other hours where I could go around and be a kid. I went to public school. So it was really fun. On the playground, I would like con people out of money. I'd be like, hey, for a backflip, give me like 10 coins or something (laughs) like that. So like... (laughs) Classic. Yeah, yeah. So it was was really, really um, manageable as a kid because I didn't do it that many hours. So here's a question I've kind of always had when I learn about athletes who really get started so early. At seven years old, how do you really know what excellence is? Like, how did you and your parents know that your talent was a standout talent? That's such a good question. It's honestly, for me, very hard because standing back and someone looking at you, you say, oh, wow, that girl is good. But like, especially Mm. at a younger age, I could not tell if it was good or not. So like, I didn't realize the potential Hmm. and how good I was at that age. But other people around me said, oh my God, this girl is awesome. She could potentially go really, really far. That's so interesting. So when you're in the middle of a routine, are you saying that you often can't tell whether it's going well or not? At that age. Now I'm like, oh wow, Hmm. that was really bad. Or like, I felt my legs apart. But at that age, I believe you're still developing Hmm. your senses and your body. Because when I was looking at like my younger videos, I'm like, wow, did I not know how to squeeze my legs together? Hmm. This could have been extended more. So I feel like you're just getting used to your body and, oh, let me point more and let me just exaggerate that more. So I always just kind of went in the gym. I'm a daredevil and I'll just kind of go for those bigger skills. Uh-huh. And I've actually never realized how skilled I was hmm. until, again, older age. And I'm looking around, I'm like, well, why can't you guys twist your arms and do all of that and over split? And everyone's <laughs> like, well, we're not built like you. I'm like, oh, interesting. So 
In 2010, when you were 14, you moved from Virginia to Iowa to train with celebrated coach Liang Chow, and you left your family behind. That must have been hard and interesting to be away from your family during those crucial teen years. Yeah, it was very, very hard. I hit a point in my career, and I was just like, I need to make a switch in gym, the atmosphere, and in coaching. And so Chow came over to the gym that I was training at. And, you know, we clicked and I was like, wow, I want to train with him and told my mom. And she was like, no. And I told my sisters, come on, like, you got to help me convince her. So finally she did. And she had this logic board. If I don't send her, if I send her. And so Hmm. the only cons was we'll miss her. And so flew to Iowa. It was very, very hard. And so my mom was with me on the plane and I had an instant regret because I was like, man, where's the water? Where's the beach? Like, there's all these corn fields and bean fields. Like, what? What is there to do here? And I was like, did I make the right choice? Like, is this the environment that I'm going to enjoy? Is it going to be an even worse environment? Mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, let's just give it one day at a time. Yeah. I was like, don't overwhelm myself with so many things at once. Let's just get in, see how it is, and then take it from there. But You know, I got in the gym and I was like, wow, like I love it. And it was home. Yeah. So a few months before the 2012 Olympics, you were sort of set on giving up the sport. Mm. And you wrote in your memoir that at this time you told your mom, quote, gymnastics is not my passion anymore. I just want to be a normal teenage kid. I'm so homesick. I just want to come home. Mm -hmm. What was going on with you at that time? It was right during the ramp-up season before the Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. And so the numbers were getting um, a lot. And the gym was very intense. What do you mean by the numbers? The numbers, it's the amount of repetition you do. Right, okay. So you have like five sets of Mm -hmm. the routine, which you see on TV, or you have 10 of this or 15 of that. And on top of that, you have conditioning. And stretching. So like everything was being ramped up. But you kind of have to do that in order to be ready to compete at the Olympic Games. And any competition, really, if you want to do your best and go in there and be considered for any team. So I was like, oh, I'm out. Let me work at Chick-fil-A. Let me do another sport. And I was just getting super freaked out. I miss my family as well. Um, And everyone rallied around me. It was like, don't quit. Like, we're almost there. And I'm so glad they did that because I would have so much regret. So let's fast forward a little bit. So at the London Olympic Games in 2012, you became the first U.S. gymnast to win the all-around and team titles at the same Olympic Games. And you became the first Black U.S. gymnast to win an Olympic individual all-around gymnastics gold medal. You were only 16, Did you expect to make history that day? I mean, what was that day like for you? No, it was so surreal. I was told always, just go out there, do nothing more, nothing less, do how you do in training, and the results will speak for itself. So like every competition, that's all I had in mind was just four events, do your normal, and you're going to be fine. And that's what I did. And I honestly, to this day, like never expected to have that sort of impact on people on the sport and in other different sports, even track or like hmm. academics. I get so many DMs like, oh my God, Gabby, you really inspired me to get this A. 
hit this spike on this volleyball. It's just insane. Wow. That must be an incredible feeling to get those kind of messages from people. It is. And I kind of minimize everything. I'm like, me? Like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Like, all I did was gymnastics, the sport I loved. And, you know, everything panned out to be okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm honestly still realizing the amount of impact that I made. It's honestly like been, I'm so grateful. Hmm. So your life changed and the sport changed in the course of just a few minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, your routine and your wins that day. You woke up that morning, a competitive gymnast, and you went to sleep as somebody who had made Olympic history. Mm -hmm. What was that before and after like for you? It was crazy. I remember I was icing my whole body because like it's the Olympics. You give everything. And like at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I need to cry. I need ice bath. And I remember icing in Marta Crowley. She was head coordinator of gymnastics. And Marta's like, you're going to be famous. And I, in that moment, I didn't believe her because I'm like, famous? What do you mean? I'm not a celebrity. Hmm. I just got a gold medal. I thought nothing of it. Yeah. I didn't. And she's like, you're going to be famous. You go back to the States. And we were told, too, to like be in our own bubble, not be on our phone. So I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, all the articles and everything that was happening on the outside world. And they were like, the president wants to speak to you. And I, it was Obama. He was just like, I want to congratulate you. Like, wow, this is amazing. And, oh and I was like, what? What is happening right now? So, yeah, my life switched so quickly, but literally overnight. More with Olympic gold medalist Gabby Douglas on returning to the spotlight as she seeks to qualify for her third Olympic Games when we come back. How did your career change as a gymnast after winning those two gold medals? My life flipped upside down very, very quickly. I was flying everywhere. I was working a lot. And again, so young, I didn't understand. I was like, why does Jay Leno want me? Or why does like Jimmy Fallon want me in a show? Like, I just want to go back to the gym and I just want to keep training. I couldn't even go out to like a normal family dinner. I couldn't go anywhere without getting mobbed. I remember I was trying to catch a flight. And I'm running through the airport. People like running behind me. Everyone's screaming like, it's Gabby Douglas. Wow. And I remember I was trying to get a burger and this one lady just screamed and everybody in the airport was like, oh my goodness. And one of the pilots came off the flight and was like, why aren't my passengers boarding this flight? And he was like, oh, it's Gabby Douglas. And like every, it was, it was wow. crazy. It was crazy. You shut down an airport. I did. It was crazy. <laughs> and the security guards had to be like, okay, come on. We need to escort her out. So I want to go back to this idea that at this time when all this happened, when your life changed and when you were so famous that you were stopping airplanes at airports, you were only 16 years old. I mean, that yeah. must have been a lot to carry as a very, very young person. I honestly, I never thought, I mean, it was a huge responsibility because so many people are looking up to you and I wanted to represent the best of myself. You know, sometimes I've talked to other people who have achieved, you know, really enormous success at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And one of the things some of them say is that they felt 
like this one part of themselves was really well defined, but that they hadn't gotten to explore all of these other aspects of who they are and all these other Mm -hmm. aspects of their personality and their interests and other things that they might like or are interested Mm -hmm. in or, you know, did you feel like that at all? I would have to say I did. After the 2016 Olympics, I honestly didn't do my best and the Olympics didn't go quite in my favor. But I learned that medals or like Grammys or Oscars, Mm -hmm. they're amazing and they represent your hard work, but it's not who you are. It doesn't define you. Hmm. You know, you do your craft. That's what you do, but it's not who you are. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And I would always say like, without my medals, I'm nothing, Hmm. but I'm still a human being. I still have many other talents to give much more than just gymnastics. Hmm. And it's so weird, but I guess it makes sense because if you start to do the thing every single day, gymnastics was every single day since I was six. Hmm. So gymnastics were like, this is who I am, Hmm. but it's not who I am. Yeah. So if you qualify for the USA Gymnastics team in 2024, this will be your third appearance at the Olympics, which is unusual given that the typical career of an elite gymnast might just span two Olympic Games. So what does it feel like to be trying to do this thing that so few gymnasts have done? I'm so grateful for the body that I have and so grateful that I still can go out on the floor and do what I love. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to have a hatred for the sport that I love. I didn't want to end it that way. Yeah. I've never announced retirement. I always kept in the back of my mind, like, we have to finish on a better note, mm-hmm. you know? And even my family was saying too, like, even if starting out, you just get back in the gym and you love it again, I think that's a step. So why did you step away in 2016? It was a lot. I was going through so much. There was so much controversy with how the team was picked. And uh, I... Wait, actually, I don't really know that much about that. What was that controversy? Um, <laughs> um, so I I didn't do my best in 2016. And I know I could have definitely done better and mm-hmm. given it my all like I did 2012. And so there was just a lot on the decision on the team making Hmm. and who was on the team. And so I got a lot of backlash. And even in the Olympics, there was so much that I was getting backlash for, but there was so much going on behind the scenes that people didn't know. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I need to take a break for myself Mm -hmm. and step back completely and work on me Hmm. because it took a lot out of me physically, mentally, emotionally, And so I was like, I'm never looking at a leotard, never touching the gym. Yeah. It was really a lot. It's feeling like you didn't deserve something, but you Hmm. were given a second chance. Hmm. But people were still like, like how people say like, that's not my president. Like, this is not my ideal team. You should have never been there. You shouldn't have competed USA. Like, you're staining the flag, if you will. This country doesn't want you. And so... On top of, like I said, competing, I had to deal with that part of not feeling worthy mm-hmm. of being on that team. And I remember at that time, there was also all this really kind of problematic discourse about whether you were smiling or not. That must have been very tough. 
It was. And there are a lot of times where you're going to be upset. You're going to be mad. Yeah. And not at anything else, just at the very fact that I didn't do my best. I mean, is LeBron mm-hmm. or some basketball player, another player, like if they didn't do their best, they didn't put in their effort, is LeBron going to be excited? Are they going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they walk off the court. Yeah. <laughs> like, dang, like I didn't do my best. <sighs> Who's excited? Who's happy that they didn't do their best? And on top of that, people already know you didn't do your best. And so was I supposed to be happy when people are like tweeting, you don't deserve to be on this team? Like, am I supposed to be like, wow, thank you. (laughs) That's the part that I was just like, what? Yeah, also like nobody looks at male athletes and says, well, why aren't you smiling all the time? Yeah. Give me a break. (laughs) Yeah. It's honestly very, very unfair. Mm -hmm. It's also such a human response and also like, you know, you don't owe anybody a smile. Yeah, my sister's like, you wear your emotions on your face. (laughs) Me too. And on TV, you have to put on a show, basically, and be an actress and say, this isn't phasing me. Yeah. But it is. So I want to ask you about what it was like to be this enormous star and then kind of step away from the spotlight (laughs) and then come back. What did you learn in that time, how did your perspective change on this sport and your accomplishments? It has changed so much. And I definitely feel like stepping back and I step back from so many things. I step back from social media, from gymnastics, just to heal myself and also mm. my body because it took a lot out of me. Yeah. And so just kind of stepping back and doing other things that gymnastics was very healing for me. Like I learned how to cook. I learned I like skateboarding, hiking. I played the guitar. So I just realized so many different things that I love to do was very healing and therapeutic for me because I was so obsessed with gymnastics and Hmm. driven. Like that's the gymnastics mindset was to always be better. Like if you have an Olympic title, why not two? If you have two, why not three? Hmm. And it can kind of be a little bit toxic because you're always trying to outdo yourself and it teaches you not to be satisfied, not Hmm. to really dwell on that, but to be like, how can I up this? Hmm. And so I wish I could have enjoyed it more. I wish I could have enjoyed the opportunities a little bit more um, in in that space, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in recent years, we've seen all these major athletes like, Mm -hmm. you know, Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, Simone Biles, really prioritizing their mental health. Mm -hmm. And it triggered this really important conversation about mental health in sports. Do you think the world has shifted to become more accepting and embracing of this? Yes. I honestly love that a lot of people were like mental health, like shying away from Mm -hmm. mental health. And now I feel like that wall is being broken down because Mm -hmm. everyone more or less goes through something in their life where it's, a bit traumatic. Yeah. And gymnastics shies away from feelings and emotion and, oh, you're hurting? Suck it up and be that actress. Nothing's hurting. So I love this generation where we can be open, we can be real, we can be honest Mm. and say, no, that hurt. Instead of being like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Let's sweep it under the rug. And I've worked with so many companies and they're all like, yeah, let's talk more about mental health. Mm -hmm. So I honestly... I love that we're all being open and putting everything on the table. Yeah. How has competitive gymnastics affected your mental health? (sighs) A lot. It's definitely affected 
my mental health yeah. throughout my an entire journey. Hmm. And is it related to that thing you were mentioning earlier, that sort of mindset of it's never enough? Yeah, it's gotten a little bit better. But in that time, it was very, very like, you need to win, basically. And success, like I said, is an amazing thing. But at the end of the day, we're also humans mm-hmm. and we do make mistakes and, and mistakes are going to happen. And so I especially thought like, if I don't have this if I don't make this team, if I don't have this medal, I am nothing. Hmm. And there were so many girls like myself, you just cry and you just consider yourself garbage because it's all about, we need this and we need that title and we need that. Hmm. And so when you don't get it, you're not taught like you're more than that. You're fine. So that's very damaging. And you're kind of treated like, let's just kind of throw you away a little bit. Yeah. So you're 27, yes. which is you are a bona fide young person in the world. <laughs> um, but in the world of gymnastics, 27 it's old. can be old. Yeah. So yes. how do you think about age in this sport? I think when you have the mindset of I can do anything I set my mind to, nothing's impossible. Mm-hmm. I think when you limit yourself, you're limiting your ability. Yeah. You know, You have to push yourself and essentially put yourself through hell in order to reach great heights. Yeah. So with that in mind, how does it feel to be training again? It feels amazing. It's pros and cons. Like today, I was like, man, I'm tired, but we got to push through this. Like I forgot you have to do it when you're tired because that's how you build up stamina, endurance, and muscle. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it. I just missed hearing the equipment flying through the air, connecting these different Mm. types of moves. And I love doing tuck full. That's considered to be one of my signature moves. Mm. And so I was like, man, I really miss being solid on this. And so like getting back into it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fun. How many competitions do you need to participate in? So ideally you go four competitions. So it goes classics, championships, Olympic trials. Then you make it on the Olympic team. Mm -hmm. It's honestly just being very, very consistent Hmm. and just showing that you are ready to represent USA in any way. Hmm. Um, Okay, what do you think is next for you after 2024, after the 2024 Olympics? Uh, a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go? I want to go to the Maldives, e- either Santorini, Greece, or the Maldives. Wow. Those both sound really nice. <laughs> Gabby, this has been such a fascinating conversation, learning more about how you've helped to shape the world of gymnastics. But now we actually want to learn a little bit more about your everyday life and okay. the things that shape you. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a few lighthearted, rapid-fire questions, and you just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. And okay. we call this segment The Last Time. I love that. Okay. Okay. So when is the last time you danced on stage? Uh, 2021. When is the last time you were starstruck? The last time I was starstruck was in 2012, and I met the whole cast of Vampire Diaries. Wow. Oh, my gosh. When's the last time you made a meal that you love? That would have to be 2020. I think I made, like, a pasta dish. When's the last time you injured yourself? Last time I seriously injured myself would have to be 
2015. And that's when I broke a significant part of my knee. Yikes. Before World Championships. Yeah, it sounds bad. That one was hard. Yeah, that that one was a little bit tough. When's the last time you went to a party? (gasps) The last time I went to a party, it was last year. And it was a Halloween party. Did you have a costume? I did. What was it? I was a dark angel. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, great. Well, listen, Gabby, I so appreciate you making time to speak with us. This was super interesting. I learned so much talking to you, and I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Keep an eye out for Gabby Douglas as she makes her bid to qualify for her third trip to the Olympics in Paris next year. Thank you so much for listening to Person of the Week. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd really, really love to hear from you. So send your tips or thoughts on our show to personoftheweek at time.com. I'm Charlotte Alter. See you next week. Person of the Week is hosted by Charlotte Alter. It's produced by Nina Bisbano and India Witkin. Our senior producer is Ursula Summer. Our story editor is Katie Feather. This episode was mixed by Aaron Dalton. Our theme music was composed by Billy Libby. Joseph Frischmuth is our fact checker. Person of the Week is a co-production of Time Studios and Trigger 23. At Time, our executive producers are Michael Erlinger and Sam Jacobs. At Sugar 23, our executive producers are Mike Mayer, Michael Sugar, and Liam Billingham. Sasha Mathias is the head of audio at Time. You can find us online at time.com slash person of the week and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>